Hi, you're listening to Go See a Show, New York City's independent theater podcast. There's a standard wartime romance story that we're all pretty familiar with, right? Soldier in a foreign land, falls for a local, cultures collide, but passions smolder. You know what I'm talking about. In Michael Higgins' play, Basement, currently in production by Roly Poly Productions at the Gene Frankel Theater, you get a lot of that stuff, but with a unique spin that gives the play a lot of relevance to the current American moment. But I'll let the team describe it. I spoke with director Janet Bentley, actors Alexandra Kohler and Ian Campbell Dunn, as well as sound designer Andy Evan Cohen after a recent performance. Take a listen. Uh, I do like to start with everyone's name on the mic. So welcome back to returning guest. Alexandra Kohler. And we also have with us... Janet Bentley. And... Ian Campbell Dunn. And you, see, you know, I usually have everybody introduce like what they did on the show. Uh, Alex and Ian are actors, and Janet is the director slash producer, co-producer, co-producer mm-hmm. uh, of basements. Um, and we're not in a basement, although Alex and I met in the basement of this building, uh, which is a little <laughs> bit of uh, indie theater history. Uh, so, um, but we're at the Gene Frankel. Um, what is basement? Who wants to tell me? Like, what's the the quick elevator pitch, like what, what do you tell people basement is? I love it because you always go to the director. Everyone always yeah. does, unless the playwright's here. Well, luckily we, we had a wonderful sentence. Um, basement, basement by Michael Hagans. Um, Tuskegee Airmen crash lands in rural France in 1944. They don't speak each other's language, but they soon learn the language. Okay, that sucked. No, that didn't <laughs> suck at all. That was excellent. Well, the first sentence is really good and then it gets a little longer. Do you want to? Oh, we also have with us. Hi, I'm Andy, the co-producer and sound designer. Excellent. Welcome to the conversation. So um, we um, talk a little bit more about like where this, like what this story is, because I, I feel like that's, I, well, that's a great tagline to get people in. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? Like, cause there's, there's all this great stuff about like, you know, cultural difference, language difference. Um, there's so many moments in this show where I felt like, wow, this could be an allegory about the current moment. Um, but it wasn't written to be as such, I know, cause it's been around for a little while. Talk a little bit more about like what the play is. It's a love story, first and foremost. And it, would be a stereotypical World War II romance. Fallen soldier is nursed back to health by a strange European woman, blah, blah, blah. So isn't this a Hemingway? Like, yeah. I feel like, yeah. yeah. Hemingway, every totally. Humphrey Bogart movie ever of a certain time. Except that he's a Tuskegee Airman and she's French and he's, you know, super Harlem American and she's. French countryside, and so you have a language barrier, you have a cultural difference. Um, At one point it comes out that she's not used to seeing people who look like him, and he's... Which stands to reason in 1940s rural France, yeah. Exactly, and he doesn't speak a word of French when when they first meet, so it's that stereotypical love story turned over on its head. Lovely. And we also have interjections from a radio announcer putting us in time. Uh, and that is yes. why Ian is here. Um, sorry, you looked you were about to say something. Yeah, no, no. I play Matthew White, uh, Allied Forces Network radio announcer. And um, I kind of like to think of myself as kind of like the chorus, so to speak, <laughs> of the play. In some ways, yeah. Uh, a little bit like that, yeah. Um, I kind of give um, an outside context, uh, a context of the outside world, 
because within the world of the play, we're just in the basement with these two characters. And throughout the play, they're kind of learning about what's happening outside since they are trapped in a basement and he is technically hiding out because if he was caught, right, the invasion he would be of France taken. Has happened you know, it's still, France is still occupied Knowing this, this is going on as they're there. And so, but they are able to get radio broadcasts from the Allied Forces Network and the BBC and through my broadcast, they're able to know what is happening in the world and also it helps her learn English to kind of bring them together in her teaching him French and kind of brings that whole connection together. And it, it, I add a lot of um, just events about how far the invasion is going, but then also there's, you know, cultural context of what the radio was like at that time. And, right. um, you know, like maritime service band and chorus and the type of music that they're playing, bringing jazz music to France. Um, Turn, making uh, making a little romantic turn when they want then at one point they end up deciding to dance and uh, it, it's kind of fun and uh, cool to be able to have those interjections and also from my purview in the theater be able to watch the play at the same time <laughs> that's which true. is kind of fun you yeah. get a sweet little perch yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, that's pretty fun yeah. so uh, we have the co-producers here so I want to ask this question like why did Roly Poly go along uh, with the show like what how did the show get to you and then what made you say like yes this one well uh, last year Andrew Rothkin of White Rabbit Productions uh, emailed me to see if I was available to direct a stage reading of Basement and I was really excited I, when I read the description and I read the play and it was amazing. And then I met the actors and uh, they were wonderful together. Alexandra was with us. Uh, we also had Jimmy Brooks at that time. Uh, he has since gone on to, um, what's he doing? Clockwork, Clockwork Orange, Orange now. Oh, wow. Picked up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, I'm not going to say, I, I, I'm still very happy with Anthony. I love both of them. But uh, anyway, last year I just totally fell in love with them. We did the stage reading. Of course, we had to have music because Roly Poly Productions are all about sound design and everything. Um, and and we said this 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 play could really go somewhere, you know, because it's got it's got everything. It's got history. It's very timely, um, and the beautiful interracial couple. Um, but also, I, I decided I want Ian on stage. I I don't want him. I don't want him recorded because having him. There was something about having him say these things while they're there, especially when they're dancing at yeah. the end. And he says that, and I wanted the lights to stay on them while he says this final announcement. Um, and that's why I placed him up above so that he could look forward out into the world, but, but he is looking towards them, you know? I don't know, so. And part of the sonic nature of this that I really enjoyed is the fact that when we first meet Alex's character, uh, you don't speak a single word of English for the first several scenes that you're on stage, um, which is not something we get in the theater. I feel like I don't get that often, uh, unless you're like intentionally going to see, you know, Spanish language theater or you know, like, like Kairos Italy theater. Like you're going to get it in a different, uh, different language. But this is, I'm in the Gene Frankel, and I'm coming. Like I, this was not pitched to me as like a foreign piece. So that was really fun. Um, talk to me about like working in French. Well, I, I am bilingual and uh, was a double major in college in French and in theater. And so I basically haven't worked in French since I was studying theater in Paris and I was doing mostly movement-y Lecoq mask work there. So it was more improv-y French. So I, I really don't know the last time that I've actively worked in French. So that was 
exciting for me. And when Andrew Rothkin first emailed me the script and said, hey, I'm doing these staged readings, do you want to do it? I read the script and I said to him, who wrote this? He said, Michael Hagens. I said, Michael wrote me a play? He said, no, Michael didn't write you a play. He wrote it 20 years ago. I said, no, 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 Michael wrote me a play. You don't realize Michael wrote me a play. Um, <laughs> and Andrew, whom I've known for many years, said, well, frankly, you were the only person on my list when I sent it out, so you better be available for the staged reading. So for me, it was such a pleasure to combine those two lives when I was uh, when I was a double major in college I often referred to myself as like oh now I'm being French major Alex now I'm being actor Alex and like there are just two of me and that's it and so it was a chance to marry them and um, because Michael doesn't speak French he also was kind enough to give me a lot of fluidity in terms of translating mm, a lot of those okay. lines had he like worked with a translator before or a translator uh, named Microsoft slash I was, Google. I was about to say, was yes. it was it so you got to smooth it out. Yes, yeah. and and other people had 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 altered bits of it as it went along, and then you know cutting and pasting always made things confusing sometimes. Um, but then also with our amazing dramaturg oh Theo, Theo Dage, Theo Dage, who also speaks French. Um, we went through, and Michael would write what he wanted said in English, and then. I would direct translate it in fr to French, and then we'd talk about, well, how does this sound? Or there's just too many words there. Mm. That just doesn't make sense. For example, um, the very, my very first line Michael had written to be, um, just stay there, which in French would be, uh, restez juste là, which kind of, sort of does, I mean, that, that just means physically, like, stay, but more like don't move yeah, or stay where you point. are yeah. right so then i said hey is it okay if and said i said ne bougez pas don't move oh yeah oh yeah that's well, that fine that also sounds more like oh oh she's french like i mean immediately right. when you hear right. that as an american listener you're going to think an american english speaking listener i shouldn't qualify um you're immediately gonna say like ah yes bah ah that's i know that that's french <laughs> yeah and it, it just sounds super french uh and that's actually really helpful i think to get across yeah. the point that you know like hey this is where we're going with this mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and setting you in in space yeah definitely. um yeah, it, was, it sounds beautiful it really does like a part of i don't know i'm i'm really into uh hearing theater um mm. as a director i'm always that guy who's like if it doesn't sound right you're doing it wrong mm -hmm. uh so mm -hmm. um it's in i do a lot of radio dramas and i run a freaking podcast like i like sound so it was really <laughs> this was really beautiful and it sounded great and you mentioned that roly-poly is all about sound in the theater and you're pointing at your sound designer We're would you sound oh brilliant yeah, all right so tell me a little bit more about like what why sound for you guys? I talked about why sound for me. Why sound for you? Well, I've always grown up with sound and music. It's uh, always been with me since a kid, and I play various musical instruments, classically trained pianist and guitarist and other instruments, and I'm a composer, uh, graduate degrees in music composition. And all along, I've always been experimenting with sound, uh, doing recordings, writing pieces for synthesizer or for electronic or acoustic amplification. So I've always been playing around in this world and a, maybe a decade or so ago, I found my way into the world of theater and applied everything that I knew about music and sound 
into theatrical productions. And when I met Janet, it was because we were working on a show together where she was the dramaturg and I was the sound designer for. And our first conversation in the production meeting was all about how music and sound influences the show and the production. And in this case, it was a, uh, John Shanley's Doubt. So it was all about the music of the Catholic Church mm. and how the music had changed pre and post Vatican II and the difference in presentation of the use of the choir, the use of how the officiant, how the priest would be either facing the congregation versus turning the back to the congregation in the older ways. So the dramaturgy of sound and music was always involved in the, the productions I work with. And did you like build a company out of oh. basically that idea? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, totally. That's amazing. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm convinced that I moved to New York specifically to meet this person, and I did, you know. <laughs> Uh, because he he is is approaching his sound design dramaturgically. I approach dramaturgy musically. Um, <laughs> so theater is always musical to me. There's a rhythm, as we know, as directors, yeah. there, there's a rhythm to it. Um, and you know, I just I just always approach it that way. Not that every single thing I do has to have music threaded through right. it. I mean, some things you know, silence is a, is a kind it of it is sound. You know, like it, yeah, the, the rest is silence. Yeah. I believe someone once said. Yeah. Um, so uh, always have to have a dance. I always have to have a dance somehow, <laughs> as well. I mean, if it belongs, you know. And another choice, another thing is I don't like to have blackouts lights up lights down because the audience knows things are going to be moved around yeah you know and our last our first production was for planet connections called horse it's an original piece and that was on the move you know it was all we had a large set and um so the, those transitions were choreographed because we're moving around this play became all in one place it became continuous action and when i realized oh my god we're gonna have to show this passage of time and then also deal with the fact that we have an audience sitting here. And but there good thing it. you've got this guy <laughs> on his perch and you've got a great sound designer and yeah. you have these interjections like from the outside world which yeah. help to cover and demonstrate time. Like, yeah. yeah, see, and this is where it all comes together. His injuries too. I mean, he starts completely, mm -hmm. totally incapacitated. Yeah. And then we have to believe that he slowly is improving. So that's why we were doing the, the push-up sequence and then as his knee starts to get better, our Theo, our, our dramaturg, Theo Dage, our Theo, <laughs> um, he's, I love him. Um, he's a registered nurse as well as a theater person. Which is person. helpful to know. Oh my God. Like, uh, well, not only in case something goes wrong, thank God it doesn't uh, yeah. usually, but uh, yeah, but yeah, like how would this, what would this recovery time take? What exactly, like? and what kind of gunshot wound would she have? I don't want to give, Ooh anything away to the people but um, but it would be have to be a that's through a good and through. that's a good teaser that's not yeah. a uh, yeah well you know what it would have to be a through and through it can't be a chest wound it can't be a sucking chest wound she wouldn't survive yeah she wouldn't be able to get up the audience would know what's going to happen it's this one's a through and through which means wow, she can survive. there's a question yes there's a question it is always about the question yeah and we decide on a collarbone injury and other injuries for him because uh theo did some research on uh howard hughes's plane crash. Oh, wow. It's a similar kind of plane. And then what he did was just sort of backtrack. Okay, well, what would not kill him, but mm -hmm. what would be kind of like these injuries? Right, right. And also what would a French farm girl who wasn't yes. trained in nursing, but just kind of knew the basics that everyone knew in yeah. those days, what would she know? And that was a conversation that I had with Theo of like, 
are, are these things that like my mother would teach me? Said, yeah, dresses. absolutely. Uh, you would know how to yeah. set a, a broken bone if you live on a farm. He found okay. a text that was in French. Mm-hmm. Remedies from my grandmother. Yeah, remedies from my grandmother's yeah, kitchen something or about, something. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was That's like awesome. the play was kind of a perfect right. storm of all of those things coming together for to allow for the music and the sound and the right. story and the passage of time and the and the woman who speaks French, who's also right. an actor. It's kind of a perfect storm for. All of those elements to come together um, to create this story. You know, it's really fun and awesome. Well, yeah. come and see that perfect storm. <clears throat> We're at the Gene Frankel, uh, and y'all are running through when? October 15th. And tickets and more information can be found at www.rolypolyproductions.com. That's R O L Y P O L Y productions.com brilliant thank you so much um and break legs on the rest of the run thank you thank Thank you. you thank you janet andy alex and ian for hanging out after the show to chat you can catch roly poly productions basement written by michael hagans at the gene frankel theater 24 bond street in manhattan through october 15th 2017 head to roly poly that's r-o-l-y p-o-l-y productions.com for a link to tickets and more information. I mentioned this on the last episode too, but one more plug for the League of Independent Theater, which has a couple of events coming up later this month, October of 2017. If you've ever been curious to know just what New York City community boards are, what they do, and how you can get involved with yours, Lit wants to help you out. Join us for an artist's guide to participating in your community board. We'll be at the Bushwick Star on Tuesday, October 17th, and at the National Black Theater on Monday, October 23rd, both starting at 7 p.m. Head to litny.org for more information and while you're there sign up as a member of the league if you aren't yet already membership is free come join us in our work to make the city a better place for indie theater artists thanks to you for listening into the podcast if you dig it please give it a like on facebook facebook.com slash go see a show follow at go see a show on twitter and rate and or comment on the show's apple podcasts page until next time go see a show Lovely. Lovely. Thank cool, you so man. much. Thanks for jumping in. I wasn't I wasn't sure you were gonna be easy to talk to. Yeah. Very fun. It's yeah. great. It's great, man.